Security Bytes is a weekly half-hour show where we begin by briefly covering recent cybersecurity news such as global threats, cybercrime, and major attacks. Then we're joined by an industry cybersecurity expert to discuss today's pressing business and technical challenges of security. Security Bytes is hosted by me, Jim Tiller, and powered by Nash Squared. You can find us on all major streaming platforms, such as Spotify, Apple, Google, and others. Please subscribe or follow so you don't miss a single power-packed episode. Let's get started. And you can see what are the gaps out there, what is required in your role, where you are at this point, what are your desires, what are those opportunities out there, like in terms of projects, or any other learning opportunities, and Nestor actually matches both, uh, those, those two. Today's show sees us ask how you can build a team of superstars through data. And to help us do that, we're talking to Reluca, the CPO and co-founder of Nestor. Also on the show, we catch up with Thomas Vosper on his success at the Hustle Awards as we have a look back at last week's ceremony. This is Tech Talks, your weekly technology podcast with myself, David Savage, powered by Nash Squared, where we bring you thoughts from leaders across our industry. Enjoy the show. Akish. Dave. Are you going to watch the football this evening? Uh, I am, yeah. England versus Sweden. Bramall yeah. Lane. Semi-finals of the Euros. Yeah, I am. Home it feels of- like people are getting more into it the further it goes. Obviously, I mean, that's always the way we saw them at football, but people are really getting into it in a way that they... Maybe weren't earlier in the, in, in, in the tournament. I think so. It starts to become more and more national news, doesn't it? It, it starts to, you know, it stops um, for any any British listeners. It, it stops and gets the Tory leadership race out of the front papers and gets <laughs> gets the football on, doesn't it? So it's um, yeah, it's, it's always a lot better. Um, but yeah, I will be watching it, man. It, it's good good to rally behind it and. Um, hopefully the women can show the men how to actually win some silverware in a uh, national tournament. Absolutely. <laughs> if anyone's unsure what we're talking about, it is the first semi-final of the Women's Euro football tournament tonight. I know we've got some American listeners. Uh, obviously, the, the US Soccer. national team. Soccer. US WNT is massive over there. It is, so yeah. Yeah. They should be. They should be on the ball uh, with this particular conversation. But it's down at England, Sweden, France and Germany. And I'll be there on Sunday. I was going to say, I remember you saying like you bought tickets about a year ago, didn't you? Something like that? Yeah, yeah, over a year ago. Um, yeah. So, mm. no. very excited if England managed to get there. That'll be very good. That'll be very good. I expect to see a lot of uh, footage on your social media, mate, uh, on Sunday. Whether or not England get there. Disappointed if it wasn't, right? Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Definitely. It'll make a change from your running uh, Strava maps and personal best and, and uh, topless beach photos but anyway the less said about that the better cheers Kish <laughs> you walked into that one <laughs> if anyone wants to follow no, no. <laughs> um, you know what helps build great, do you know what helps build great teams Akish <laughs> what does people data, data 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 there we go there we go there's a nice link today we're talking all about how data can help you build a great team moving swiftly on from the last topic of conversation uh our guest is reluca uh she's based in the states she's from uh romania and uh she is the cpo and co-founder of nesta so we'll hand over to the interview we'll come back with some commentary on it afterwards 
So today I'm joined by Raluca. Thank you for taking the time to have a chat. Before we do anything else, do you want to tell us who you are and who you work for? Yes, of course. Uh, hi, David. Thank you so much for having me today. Uh, it's really great to be here. Um, about me, my name is Raluca Apostol. I'm uh, one of the co-founders of Nestor, and I also I'm also the chief product officer here. Um, I don't know. Should I tell something about myself, like a short oh, intro? I mean, <laughs> why not? I mean, where, where are you from? <laughs> yes, I'm born and raised in Romania, yep. uh, in Europe. Um, and I don't know about myself. I would say, like, my personal mission is to help people work better, happier, and with purpose. And um, I don't know, this is something that I'm trying to include in everything I do. Because I'm a person who loves innovation, who loves mm -hmm. non-conventional problem solving. Um, and based on this, I'm, I'm thinking that everything is, I don't know, possible. And when you set a goal, you just need to set some actions and start working right away. Um, yeah, in, in, with regards to my, to my activity at Nestor as a chief product officer, um, it involves working closely to our customers. And I can say that I'm really obsessed about making customers happy. I don't know if, if this is something specific for uh, startup founders, but this is what I'm feeling. <laughs> um, I'm trying to understand their needs every day and uh, doing a lot of research in the market and see how our product responds to both the trends in the market, like the changes in the current workplace, uh, and at the same time, meeting the needs of our customers. Let's jump in because I, I think it's important to kind of work out or unpackage exactly what Nestor is. Yeah. Um, you said you, you're from Romania. You're on the west coast of the US in California now. How did you come to be there? How did you come to co-found Nestor and, and what is Nestor? Yeah, so our story uh, started back uh, in 2019 uh, after Y Combinator. We've been through um, their acceleration program in Silicon Valley. And uh, after Y Combinator, we started the research on Nestor. And in 2019, we released our first version of the product. Uh, so in just one single thing, in one single instance, what Nestor is doing, uh, we do a people intelligence platform that helps organizations um, engage, develop, and uh, retain talent. So we bring together employee engagement, performance management, and development planning with a skills-based approach. Uh, and we use predictive analytics um, in order to provide individual nudges for HR professionals and managers um, in order to have those actionable insights. So um, Nestor links everything with regards to skills in all the processes in the company so that we can collect multiple data points and we build an employee profile. And this employee profile is like looking and understanding the individual uh, from a holistic point of view. That would mean like um, what we can learn from data and based on their interests and what are those opportunities that we can bring back to the employee so that um, he can, uh, he can uh, grow in his career, but at the same time uh, deliver in the company. So we take data from skills, we take data from desired skills uh, for this employee, from performance management process, from their current activities like goals and OKRs, from the project they are involved in, 
they work values as well because we value the individual as them as as, as humans, you know, and their values that they work um, um, they work in this company. So yeah, this is mostly about Nestor. We collect data from all the processes in order to produce a meaningful advice, a meaningful nudge for the employee or for the manager or for the HR professional in order to increase performance. And yeah. You talk there about building up an employee profile Mm -hmm. and capturing that data through various different processes. Obviously, data and people are both challenges for organizations at the moment. Um. How long does it take to build an employee profile? I mean, is is the data that a lot of organizations, are, that they're capturing naturally in their process at the, at the moment fit for purpose? I mean, how much time does it take you to kind of get in there and go, well, hang on a minute, let's, let's <laughs> make sure that we're capturing the right data, that it's structured data, that it's not biased. That, that in itself must take some time first, right? Yeah. So uh, in Nestor, it depends because it depends a lot on the implementations that we have. Uh, so you can have like an employee profile in just uh, seven minutes, when you have an account right. investor, um, you are invited to answer some questions. And based on the results, you have this um, profile with your work values, with um, uh, some recommendations in this direction, like what you uh, learn more about yourself after answering some questions. And this is just a starting point. Because after that, uh, in Nestor, you can run uh, in the company multiple processes. Then um, if we are looking at performance management, let's say, you can run like quarterly reviews that are tied with um, those skills, those skills that you may need in the, uh, for that job role or those skills that you may need for a project. And based on an ongoing, um, an ongoing activity and ongoing conversation between your managers, your peers, endorsements, and so on, this employee profile evolves over time. And you can see what are the gaps out there, what is required in your role, where you are at this point, what are your desires, what are those opportunities out there, like in terms of projects or any other learning opportunities. And Nestor actually matches those, those two. So that when we gather all this data, we help HR professionals learn from what happens in, at this point in the company. Like, um, I don't know, they may have like, like some HR KPIs um, that they want to act on them. And just one specific um, specific example in here would be, we released recently... Um, a feature that is called nudging automation workflows. And how this works is that uh, is a strategic tool for HR to understand what happened at, this, at some point and based on some KPIs, they can send nudges to the employees. Like for those managers that have trust index in their teams below an average uh, organizational benchmark, then you can uh, nudge them with this opportunity or this learning resource or this actual specific nudge. So this is how HR becomes strategic and acts in the moment after just, I don't know, sending out some questions. So, uh, and we can evolve like the other processes, even though it's about development planning or even though it's about engagement. Just out of interest, if you're an HR professional and you come in and you go, we can give you an employee profile in seven minutes, it sounds fantastic and very impressive. Do you ever have to try and convince them that, hey, the software that we've got, this platform, it can deliver real insights? Because I know you said that's just a first stage, but that's incredible. Yes, that's the first stage, yeah. 
Um, do, you, do you ever get any kind of pushback around that or generally are people just very excited to see the results? So when uh, teams are generating this kind of employee profiles, uh, there is a great vibe in the office because they start learning more about themselves. You don't have those results only for you, for yourself, but you also see how you um, uh, you is not comparing with your team, but you also have the team perspective. So it's like learning more about yourself, but at the same time learning more about your team. So this is a great vibe. But starting from this point towards implementing um, an entire process in here, then uh, you can uh, go into those, I don't know, goal setting part. Like, what are those OKRs? Are those aligned with the strategic direction for the company? Mm -hmm. And in this way, HR learns how people are engaged with their activities so that as much as you are engaged with, the, uh, with, with your goals that you actually contributed in order to set them, you have a better engagement and you feel that your work becomes meaningful and at the same time hr sees this uh, uh this information like in the i don't know um ju just in time so that they can react and you don't have to wait like two quarters or three quarters so that you understand some results you just act in the moment so look cross training is in, in incredibly important it's it's being talked about a lot at the moment especially given the skills crisis but how do you best understand what skills you have in your organization a lot of a lot of a lot of companies don't really understand what skills they can tap into that are already there right yeah um so cross training is really important uh because it may have many multiple benefits but one important benefit would be like this a way of helping uh, employees increase productivity and develop their skills uh, while working with others as well. So this fosters like this internal mobility inside the company. And when it comes to those skills and how you identify those skills so that you need to start with, uh, you as an HR, once you have like a strategic role in, in the decision-making process, using all this data will help you take the right decision faster and better. And um, when it comes to how we collect all this data, like in terms of those skills that we need, um, there are multiple steps involved. But the first step is like, you as an HR professional, you just need to look at the business direction of, um, uh, of the company going forward. Like, what are those goals that we need to deliver in the next three, three months, let's say. And then identify what skills you have. And you can start like just find some categories that are, I don't know, you are willing to learn more about. Like those leadership skills or maybe those, those soft skills or those technical skills. And companies are usually, uh, usually start with... Uh, leadership skills and soft skills, because these are those skills that are so required in these uh, challenging times. Um, and then once you uh, identify what type, what type of skills you need, then one step or one thing that we um, learned at Nestor is to involve the people in collecting them. So ask them. How do we do that in Nestor? We just have a button that you as an employee, you can suggest a skill based on your activity. And then the HR professional will receive some suggestions and they will also see some recommendations that based on the activity that you do and the role that you have, then 
this person and this person may have uh, this skill because it may be important for them. So it helps a lot in the collection of the skills. And after that, you just need to start assessing them in an ongoing way. And how we actually help this at Nestor is that while you are embedding these skills in different processes, like, I don't know, those quarterly reviews or some one-on-ones or, I don't know, peer endorsement, it's important for you to have an ongoing life library. So you start small. If you don't know how to start, you just need to, to start with just one department and just try to run a test there. And once you have people involved in there, then your people will, will become your, um, uh, your promoters for this part. So this is how you can identify those skills. I mean, how many, how many organizations are you working with at the moment? Yeah, so we work with more than 40 organizations at this point. Okay, so you're collecting data from 40-odd organizations. What is that data telling you with regards to actually what the most important skills are right now? Because there is this skills crisis. There's, yeah. there's, a, there's a huge shortage with regards to the demand in, in various different job categories. What are the skills that organizations should be focusing on? Uh, what we've discovered uh, based on our learnings is that there is no one-size-fits-all solution. And uh, this really depends on the strategic goal of the goals of the company uh, in the next period. It's like, what are those strategic goals? What are the capabilities or the, 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 the skills that we need? And then how we uh, as an organization can deliver against them. So my answer would be like, it depends. It depends on the goals. But um, we've learned that some of the skills out there are kind of common for companies to start, I don't know, evaluating and including in their uh, skills library. library. And uh, if we look that the modern workplace changes very often, like products come and go, the market changes, budgets are cut and so on, um, you uh, flexibility and adaptability are some skills that are so important and they are there, like those skills that are important to, to have in the library. And then uh, we have in the modern workplace this uh, free flow of ideas, communication, information. So communication is another skill. So what it ties to leadership skills and um, soft skills, most of them are there, but um, they depend based on the industry, based on their goals. Um, Another thing what we've seen so far is like the modern workplace right now is like kind of hybrid. We have employees from multiple locations, um, different ages, different cultures, different education levels. So another soft skill which is really important for them is compassion and empathy. So we, you need to identify how to work with others, to understand others, to understand their current situation. So also emotional intelligence or pieces of that uh, are, uh, is important. Um, and then, so you, yeah, digital skills, due, I due can to say. The, to, the, to the acceleration then that we've seen through the pandemic, what, what it sounds like is that soft skills are becoming even more important than they already were. It's not just a case of, you need to adapt your skills and the pace of change has increased, it's actually there's there's a shift from, hard, there's, a, there's an even bigger swing perhaps from technical skills to soft skills. Technical skills are very import, important in order to perform well at your job, 
but so soft skills are important for uh, for that company so that they can resist change they can they can adapt based on the market conditions um just looking at what happened in the past years like we had to survive a global pandemic we have to this shift to uh, towards um, a hybrid environment we may have this maybe i don't know global economic downturn so it's important for them to keep and keep keep the flexibility and have that organizational agility that they need so soft skills are not just soft skills become now became like power skills for them to survive but of course uh, technical skills um are are important as well so that you can deliver the job but do you think do you think a lot of founders are beginning to think that the technical skills are the easier skills perhaps to be able to to teach someone or to pick up whereas the the ability to be flexible, the ability to be empathetic is something that is ingrained in us from quite a, quite an early stage, I guess. So I, I, I suppose what I'm getting at is that that's, that's a harder to, to, to pick up skill set as your career yeah. goes on than perhaps the ability to technically do something. Yes, and it, it needs a lot of practice. Uh, this is why, I don't know, when we look at our leaders in the company, in our company, um, some of the leaderships, uh, leadership skills out there are very important in order to define the seniority of, the, of one role. Mm -hmm. So uh, in order to be adaptable, you have to follow some, I don't know, to have some situations and you have to, I don't know, face some critical situations or make some decision making or, I don't know, uh, are some situations that define you as a leader and the experience you gain um, as soon as you, um, as you face. Um, and then... Another thing that I would say, um, technical skills are important, but they you can teach those. Um, as soon as you gain or you have like more senior roles, skills like negotiations, negotiation or, I don't know, decision making or critical thinking are those uh, important skills that are more tight or it's a combination between a leadership and a soft skill. Hmm. Last question then. As someone who is working with 40 odd companies, helping them develop their people's strategy. What tips would you give to, to anyone out there who's an entrepreneur building their business? Maybe it's in growth mode. How would they go about building their people's strategy? Yeah. Uh, so my opinion would be, or the first tip that I would say is that we have to look at what we want to achieve from a business point of view. So if we want to do uh, have that people strategy that actually delivers we have to align the business needs with what we we need from our people so keeping in mind the business needs where where you, we want to go in the future and the skills that we need so that we can match those in our people um, the second one would be increasing awareness um, and transparency with regards to the business goals and include people in defining not the strategic goals, but actually delivering on those by setting their own ob objectives, then their own OKRs, and having a constant way of clarifying expectations. What this means is that when you have a role in a project or a role in a company, you may have a mission, you need to state that. Um, you need to help the employee understand that mission. And at the same time, you need to understand that there are some skills that are required. There are some skills that you have at this point. There are some gaps. And in this way, it comes another tip that I would have is to develop um, together with the employee a growth plan 
that will tap into their future development. Mm. And those growth actions that you want to take in order to do that. Um, and the last one would be just try to um, identify what is the most important for you at this stage. You don't have to implement everything out there. You just need to set what, I don't know, if goal setting is part of your people strategy and you are like a company with 50 employees out there, then you don't may you, you may not need everything in place. Start small and after that learn from, from the experience and then adapt. So it's it's something include analytics or people analytics, but most mostly lean people analytics, run experiments, learn from data and then expand. Well, look, it's been a pleasure to speak to you. I'm really glad that you took some time out. Um, I hope that it continues to go well with, with Nesta. And fingers crossed we bumped in, bump into each other at another event soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. Right, I've just got a few points around this because I think, I think there's some interesting stuff in here. I, I suppose it's kind of interesting without necessarily being groundbreaking. And that's no slight at all to what Nesta are doing. But... It's almost like it's evidence of a lot of the stuff that we talk about. So when you talk to her and you go, right, you've got data from 40 organizations, what skills should companies be focusing on? And, and you know, the answer comes back, you know, one size doesn't fit all. Mm. And you've got to look at your strategy and your goals and how your organization can deliver against them. That makes perfect sense. But it's good to hear that the data backs that up. And I think it's particularly interesting because, as you said, a lot of organizations, when they're going through periods of change, they start with leadership and soft skills. Um, But actually, here's an opportunity for HR to ask employees to get data and to build ongoing live libraries of skills. And I think that's really interesting. Yeah, I think think in more recent times, to be honest, right, when I was listening to the interview, I did have... uh, uh, you know, thought kind of went through my mind and I was thinking, you know, has it, has this kind of employee profiling or kind of, you know, that the people element increased a lot more for, for organizations to actually know who they have working for them, you know, what they bring to the table and, and how best to kind of support them. But what's kind of been the main catalyst? And I, I think it has been the pandemic, right? Where I think with health, well-being, employee kind of i don't want to say power because that sounds bad but like you know just employee presence has now been appreciated a lot more by by organizations i think and and something like nesta which is a platform which allows you know through data right and analytics to to have a good idea of, of kind of the skills and stuff i think it just allows people to have a better appreciation of you know the the kind of workforce and the people that you have in your business and then that obviously in return you'd hope kind of drives up engagement and what does engagement drive up performance right so um i think i think more and more this is becoming paramount like what i think i mean i've, I've been a professional worker for what 10 years odd yeah, since by leaving. the way anyone anyone listening will have missed akisha's is yeah. uh, air quotes <laughs> as he said professional professional yeah i mean you know because there are some people that work with me who would probably uh disagree to that but anyway <laughs> <laughs> um but you know I've, I've been working for 10 years right and and the, the, granted there are people that i work with that have been working for a lot longer but i can only give my experience and i think what's happened is over the 10 years things have have kind of changed drastically you know before mm. it was just you got your contract you know 
you wanted time off. Sometimes you were given time off. Sometimes you weren't given time off. No one really cared kind of what, you know, type of stuff you were doing as long as you were helping kind of, you know, bring cash into the till, so to speak, um, and generating revenue. But now it's it's a lot more um, than that. And and I, and I think it just, it, it, it drives, it really, really drives performance. And I think people that join businesses now that have this infrastructure set up, really really enjoy it i mean real life example i've hired someone into my team this well last week and just kind of going through some of the stuff we have internally at harvey nash and you know sometimes their eyes are like you know wide open thinking oh my god there's so much available to me and i'm treated you know so much more with, with a lot more uh dignity respect you know not i'm i'm not just a, a kind of number or whatever um and i think it's good i think it's really really good mm-hmm. You know, and, and modern workplaces are changing quicker than they ever have. Uh, there's a whole new generation of workers coming into the workplace who don't know what Monday to Friday 9 to 5 is, mm. and it would be a very alien concept to them. We're still trying to figure out what makes sense for an organisation based on its goals, and I think there's now an increasing acceptance that you can't just try and work out what the, the company over the road are doing, and you've got to forge your own path. And data gives you that flexibility to try and meet those challenges. Without it, you, you're flying blind. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think I, I remember I remember watching this advert, right, years and years ago, about five, six years ago, actually. Didn't really know what it meant. And I want to say it was maybe like an Accenture advert or something like that on TV. And I think their slogan was like, you know, data driven decisions or something like that. I, I can't remember something. I always used to think, oh, what, like to me, data was always just numbers and spreadsheets. Right. But it just goes to show that data is a lot, lot more than, you know, kind of just numbers on a spreadsheet and and kind of funky equations of financial models it is a lot more which allows you to make better decisions and effectively that data-driven decisions slogan is you know paramount in someone or a platform like nesta to be honest so yeah yeah. look earlier on at the beginning of the podcast we were joking around about the football and talking about winners and obviously england will be winners um Hopefully, come back to, to bite me. Uh, we're going to talk uh, about more winners now. Uh, I'm going to hand over to a second interview. Thomas Vosper, most innovative um, company at the uh, Hustle Awards last week. If you missed it, then the Hustle Awards was ran by Startups Magazine. 11 different awards to um, startups and growth scale up organizations across our industry. Definitely worth checking out. Uh, have a look at our social posts. It won't be topless speech photos. It'll all be about technology and companies doing interesting stuff. Uh, but here's an interview with Thomas, who won on the night, and talk a little bit about that sector. But um, Akish, thanks for your time, mate. No worries. Thank you. So very quickly, as a bit of a bonus, I'm joined by the award-winning Thomas Vosper uh, from Isle 3. Congratulations on your success at the Hustle Awards. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, it's such a proud moment for me and the team. And uh, my head is definitely feeling pretty sore for the uh, the <laughs> celebrations last night. Just very quick one. Uh, it was the innovation category, most innovative technology? Yes, exactly right. Fantastic. And there was such a, uh, there was su- such a stiff uh, group of competitors in that category as well. So, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I mean, Startups Magazine, the editor Anna, she kind of threw you off the scent a bit when you arrived, right? Uh, <laughs> just a bit. So 
Um, you know, I, I always think it's important when you uh, when you enter into awards and when you're nominated, make shortlist to make an appearance. And it was a tough one yesterday because it was my uh, eldest son's 11th birthday. So <laughs> there was a bit of toing and froing between kind of a regular working day and a birthday party and then trying to get back out to London for the events. And of course, I, I walked in and Anna said, oh, glad you could make it. But, you know, remember the, the uh, it's not about the winning, it's about the taking part. <laughs> On your eleventh, on your eleventh-year-old's birthday, I'm not sure that moniker's true, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but uh, amazing, um, obviously, to see you go up there and win that award. And uh, you know, it's lovely given that we've had a chance to kind of profile you a couple of times on the show. So richly deserved. Oh, um, thank you so much. Just a quick one. Hustle Awards. I thought last night was brilliant. Two hundred plus people um sharing their stories networking but having a good time at the same time um i've seen one or two posts today you know i don't agree with hustle culture but it was really positive um i know that you aren't necessarily a fan of hustle culture but there's not i, I kind of think it's quite interesting that they chose to call them the hustle awards because people immediately go oh hustle culture is not good but but why do we need to reclaim it a bit because Sure, hustle culture could be toxic if you go, yeah, because of all of X, Y, and Z. But there's a lot about hustle that's great, right? Around ingenuity, around um, showing some kind of uh, entrepreneurial spirit and, and following kind of your ideas and being passionate and not giving up. Is it time that we kind of reclaimed that that word a little bit? I think the reality of, of running a startup or working within a startup is that it is relentless hard work all of the yeah. time. And there's no kind of getting away from that. and and I think that to kind of sugarcoat that journey is is actually quite wrong in a lot of ways because we kind of sign up for this and we take the highs and the lows and there's obviously very little in between actually. It's normally extreme highs or extreme lows, but it's always off the like this ba this basis of uh, continual, relentless hard work and hustle and looking for opportunities and always trying to take, uh, you know, another step forward, another step forward, another step forward every single time. Uh, you know, for me, that and, and I think that's really reflected in the community. One of the things that I really enjoyed mostly about last night was the startup community across all different sectors and sizes of business really came together to celebrate that all of the hard work over the last 12 months for all those organizations. Mm -hmm. And it was a much bigger event last night than it was uh, 12 months ago. And so you could really sense that in the room. And like on a personal level for me, you know, what, what you know, breaks my heart a bit really is that, you know, as great as it is that we've been able to build a completely remote business over the last two, two and a bit years, you know, as far flung places as, as India where most of our team are and um, in Europe, you know, it, it's it's such a shame that, you know, I couldn't enjoy that moment directly with the team. And believe me, I got straight on the phone called like a, an immediate meeting with everyone like first thing this morning to tell them all the good news. But, you know, I couldn't share that moment in person with my team, which was, mm. you know, a really sad moment for me. But at the same time, we've built the business very much in public for the last couple of years. And so there was certainly a lot of uh, people cheering on behalf of the team in the room and celebrating with us because they they've been on that journey with us so far. I mean, obviously, it's great because you you've got subscribers. You kind of feel like you know the subscribers on your site yourself. So I suppose that community it feels you are supported by those very people who were there in the room last night, right? 
uh, <laughs> yes, uh, it, certainly we, uh, we're really lucky to be able to have a good following on LinkedIn and on other social media and a really great network that when we, you know, when we said that we were going to try and do something very different in online shopping that a couple of trillion dollar businesses don't seem to be able to do or want to do, um, that obviously piqued a curiosity in most of the people that we already know in, in e-commerce, in tech, in the community. Uh, actually, what's been really great is over the last few months as we started to go live with the product, what is actually really great is when I see people who I don't know using the site and then coming back and ordering again. Like that stuff is really cool. Obviously great that you've won that award. Um, what, what, what does an award mean for a business like you? Because tangibly, probably, probably not much really, but emotionally... Like, well, you know, I, I've, I've put myself forward for awards and won the odd award every now and then. And it, I know what it means to me, but what does it mean to you as someone who's running a business, who's trying to build that business? How did it make you feel? Yeah, the, the, the most innovative tech business for us was, was certainly very emotionally important, but also very tangible to have that innovation recognized. I think that, you know, we are solving a problem that I think a lot of people kind of accept or adapt to and kind of think that's the way it is and so you know most more specifically when you buy stuff online the fact that it takes you hours of sifting through lots of different sites and opening lots of different tabs on your browser to check you know stuff that's available or stuff that the price you know like people think that the innovations happened in that area because there is two trillion dollar businesses controlling that journey and so kind of accept or adapt that's the way it is and so obviously we think very different to that we think that you know there should be an opportunity to put you know thousands of websites and you know millions of products into one screen under one checkout in your pocket and that's what we've really worked hard to do and so yeah for us being recognized for that innovation is so so cool because that's the that's the kind of line in the sand now People have recognized, actually, this isn't the way that it should be when I shop online. Aisle 3 are doing something very different. And, yeah, like I like it and it works. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, look, um, again, congratulations. You will forever, I think, be known as the sneaker guy. <laughs> yeah, I know, it's so crazy. Introducing me to, to, to my colleagues. Oh, you're the sneaker guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and hopefully that, that you know, that, 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 tagline will will grow as more people hear about it but um look congratulations to everyone who won last night we'll put a link in the show notes to the hustle awards so you can go and have a look at what the categories were who the nominees were who the winners were because i think they're probably all companies worth checking out but thomas uh i hope your head clears and you have a nice weekend with your family thanks so much dave appreciate it